Hello everyone, and welcome back to the third episode of Considering Culture. I hope we're all doing well and enjoying the Easter holidays. In line with Women's History Month being celebrated throughout March, I thought I would do a special episode celebrating influential women. One thing I have noticed in my years spent at schools receiving assemblies and lectures about influential women is the sheer lack of diversity. The experience of identifying as a woman is one that is influenced also by other factors such as race, class and sexuality. So to only celebrate a certain demographic of women sends a harmful message to your audience. The type of feminism that I've seen discussed in classrooms and assemblies is one that seems watered down to a vague message that encourages women to do what they want. This doesn't explore how, as I mentioned before, different factors like race and sexuality will close doors and create barriers for so many women. However, there are so many examples of women being resilient and making a lasting impact on their communities. With this episode, I hope to discuss their stories and celebrate not only the activists, but also the academics who have pioneered new ideas and fought for their voices to be heard. Without further ado, here are three stories of inspiring women from around the world and across history. My first story is about the team of female scientists who launched the Mars Orbiter mission back in 2013. The Mars Orbiter mission, also known as Mangalyaan, was India's first interplanetary mission, the fourth space agency to achieve Mars orbit, and also the first time any country successfully reached Martian orbit on the first try. I was inspired to talk about this at length after I watched the film Mission Mangal with my sister. I would highly recommend this film to anyone who has enjoyed hidden figures or others generally interested in space research. The film is loosely based around real women who are scientists and were part of the 27% of executive positions held by women. They include Ritu Karidhal and Nandini Harinath, who were both deputy operations directors, and Anuradha TK, who is a Geosat program director. These women joined the ISRO, the Indian Space Research Institute, as one of five, six, or maybe a maximum of ten women in their batch, and have gone on to make waves in the scientific community. As part of the team, they won the US-based National Space Society's 2015 Space Pioneer Award in the science and engineering category. Another important detail is that this spacecraft is taking full-disc colour imagery of Mars, Full disk images have been rarely taken in the past, so these images will provide significant help to planetary scientists. Whilst the movie was only loosely based around their lives and included fictional characters, I still thought some of the topics brought up were relevant. One of the characters, Neha Siddiqui, is a recently divorced Muslim woman and prejudices against her are shown in the film as she struggles to find a a landlord willing to let a house to her. Varshai Pillai fights her mother-in-law snarky comments about her infertility and exposes a wider stigma around women who are unable to conceive naturally. Overall, the movie itself is a heartwarming film exploring the story behind Mangalyan and I find the real-life women themselves inspiring, dedicated and perfect role models for any aspiring engineers. This next story is set in Mexico in the mid-17th century. Born in November 1648, Juana Ramirez de Espaje was a Mexican writer, philosopher, composer, poet of the Baroque period, and Hieronymite nun. She had an intense passion for learning, 
following her older sister to school from the age of three, and mastering philosophical debate, Latin, and the Aztec language Nahuatl by early adolescence. At one point, she was struggling to grasp Latin grammar when she was young. In response, she cut off her hair and promised herself that if she hadn't learned the grammar by the time it grew out, she would cut it off again as a punishment for being so slow-witted. As someone who's learning Latin, it's definitely an academically rigorous subject, although I'm not sure I'm prepared to go to such lengths to master it. Her razor-sharp intellect did not go unnoticed, and when she was 16, she was made the lady-in-waiting of the Viceroy of New Spain and his wife. My favourite quote of hers is, I don't study to know more, but to ignore less. The royal courts of Mexico were where she shared her numerous plays and poems with the court, dazzling and outraging them. This isn't to say that she was automatically given respect as a scholar. She was put before a panel of prestigious theologians, jurists and mathematicians, and they were asked by the Viceroy of Spain to test her knowledge. They asked her the most difficult questions they could imagine, and she successfully answered all of them, whether they were complex mathematical equations or philosophical theories. One of her most provocative poems, entitled Foolish Men, explained the double standards of the time that affected women. You'd think that a poem insulting the men of her time and their hypocrisy would garner massive outrage, but her work still inspired adoration, and she was inundated with suitors. This is when she chose to become a nun, and joined the Hieronymite convent of Santa Paula, changing her name to Sor Juana Inés de la Cruz. She continued writing dramas and comedies, as well as serving as the convent's treasurer and archivist. Unfortunately, one of her private letters criticising a respected sermon at the time was published by a bishop, and she was removed from the church and unable to continue her writings. She proceeded to throw herself into charity work, and ultimately succumbed to illness whilst treating one of her sisters in April 1695. Today, she's credited as being the first feminist in the Americas, and also appears on Mexico's 200 peso banknote. I discovered her story in a five-minute TED talk and was struck with her ambition and determination to make herself heard, in a society trying its absolute best to silence her. We can only dream of the further contributions she could have made in her later life, had she been allowed to continue her studies as a scholar. Many would agree that the first true science fiction story was created by Mary Shelley with her novel Frankenstein. Despite this genre being pioneered by a woman, there is a lack of good representation of women in sci-fi books and movies. Fortunately, change is being made, and more and more women are being encouraged to either pursue careers in STEM fields or tell their own stories. One such woman is Octavia E. Butler, credited with making a huge contribution to the popularity of a specific genre within sci-fi known as Afrofuturism. This is a cultural movement where black writers and artists, inspired by the past, present and future, incorporate magic, history, technology and so much more into their work. She was a multiple recipient of both Hugo and Nebula Awards, as well as becoming the first science fiction author to receive a MacArthur Fellowship colloquially called the Genius Awards. Born in 1947 in Pasadena, California, she grew up introverted and extremely shy. She had a creative mind at a young age. After watching the film Devil Girl from Mars, Butler begged her mother for a typewriter, 
claiming that she could tell a better story. Whilst I haven't watched the film myself, I have read a Wikipedia plot summary and it doesn't look particularly inspiring at all. Science fiction often consists of white male heroes saving damsels in distress, and to combat this, Butler wanted to write characters from a variety of different backgrounds to appeal to a diverse audience. She viewed her imagination not only as a tool to create her extensive fictional world, but also as a strategy to survive an unjust America. She used her work to discuss difficult topics such as discrimination on the basis of race, gender or class, in a different context to be contemplated by the reader. She frequently incorporated current news and political ideas in her novels. An example is her 1998 novel Parable of the Talents, a sequel to Parable of the Sower, where a presidential candidate controls Americans with virtual reality and shot collars. Any guesses as to his slogan? Make America Great Again. Her stories that feature women founding new societies and the possibilities of interspecies bonding are what contributed to her influence on the popularity of Afrofuturism. She sadly passed away in February 2006 due to a stroke at the age of 58, but her lasting impact on the genre of science fiction is one that won't be forgotten. I will admit, before beginning my research into Octavia, I was totally unaware of Afrofuturism, but I'm excited to read some of her books and I hope some of you will join me. for tuning into this episode and celebrating a few examples of powerful women leaving their mark on their communities. I discovered a quote from one of Octavia Butler's books, The Parable of the Sower, that I think described my feelings about our current society perfectly. All that you touch, you change. All that you change, changes you. The only lasting truth is change. (laughs) 